Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Joshua. Well, good morning, faithful listeners. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend and got a lot of sunshine and rest and work done if you needed to get work done or time with your family or whatever. Tell me what you did this weekend. Contact me. You'll find my information listed in the description of this podcast episode. And also tell me while you're contacting me if you enjoy the intro and outro to the podcast. You may not know this, but I actually recorded those myself. (laughs) And no, I do not play the saxophone, just to let you guys know. That was something I added in there on the music-making platform that I have, but I did, in fact, create the entire song from scratch. I didn't use any pre-built anything. I did the drums set by myself, I did the piano part by myself, and I did the saxophone and the bass by myself. The saxophone and the drums, I had a hard time with those because I do not play those two instruments. I don't play anything percussive or brass or woodwind. I did play the flute for a little while, (laughs) which I guess, I don't know, is that a woodwind or a brass? I guess that's a woodwind, isn't it? Yeah, the flute's a woodwind instrument. But for the most part, I don't play anything percussive or, you know, any instrument that you have to blow into. I play piano and stringed instruments mostly. But tell me what instrument you play. And also let me know if you enjoy the jazzy intro to the Bible Explained podcast. But today we're going to finish up Joshua chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 10 through 15 today. So go grab that cup of coffee or that cup of tea to enjoy while we read this portion together. The children of Israel encamped in Gilgal. They kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at evening in the plains of Jericho. They ate unleavened cakes and parched grain of the produce of the land on the next day after the Passover in the same day. The manna ceased on the next day after they had eaten of the produce of the land. The children of Israel didn't have manna anymore, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood in front of him with his sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you for our enemies? He said, No, but I have come now as commander of Yahweh's army. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and asked him, What does my Lord say to his servant? The prince of Yahweh's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals, for the place on which you stand is holy. Joshua did so. So on Friday, we talked about how all the men of Israel had to go get circumcised because they weren't circumcised. For some reason, circumcision basically stopped in the wilderness. So all the Israelites that had left Egypt were in fact circumcised, but they did not circumcise their children for whatever reason. And we kind of talked about that on Friday. So Joshua went through with the circumcision of all the men. He told them all to get circumcised, though Joshua didn't do it himself. Like he didn't go and circumcise each man. Rather, he made the command that the men had to go get circumcised because God told Joshua to make sure that all the men of Israel were circumcised. And so that's what ended up happening. They got circumcised and they had a healing process And now it says after this healing process, or maybe even in the the middle of it, I'm not sure, that the Israelites ate of the Passover. So they celebrated Passover. And I believe Passover was supposed to be celebrated the 14th of the first month. 
So the Passover was celebrated right after the men all got circumcised. And so here's what it says in verse 10. The children of Israel encamped in Gilgal. So Gilgal was the area that Israel kind of made their home base while they were like taking parts of Canaan, parts of the promised land. They kept going back to Gilgal and Gilgal was just beyond the Jordan River. So they kind of stayed there and that's where their monument was placed. You know, when God uh, parted the Jordan River, the men went and got like stones out of the bottom of the Jordan River and made a monument there showing that God had been with the Israelites and helped them cross the Jordan River. But anyway, Gilgal was kind of their place to be the Israelites. So you're going to see that moving forward. But anyway, so it says they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at evening in the plains of Jericho. They ate unleavened cakes and parched grain of the produce of the land on the next day after the Passover in the same day. So as you can see, the Israelites here celebrated the Passover in the evening, and this was by design. That is how God wanted it to be. And this was to remember how the Israelites had gotten out of Egypt, how God saved them and rescued them out of Egypt, and how the angel of death passed over the houses of the Israelites and even the Egyptians who chose to listen to Moses and put the blood of the sheep on their doorposts. The angel of death passed over those houses and uh, struck the people who did not listen to the words of Moses. So this Passover celebration obviously was to remember that. And it was celebrated in the evening because the Israelites back in Egypt had to very quickly eat their food and put the blood on their doorposts and go to bed and all that stuff like in the evening. It was just a celebration of when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. So now... The Israelites are listening to God's words. Not only did they get circumcised, but they are celebrating the most important Jewish holiday, basically, other than the Day of Atonement, which is the Passover. So they are fully listening and obeying God's commands here. And notice what happens right after this. It says they ate the unleavened cakes and the parched grain of the produce of the land on the next day after the Passover. The manna ceased on the next day after they had eaten the produce of the land. So the Israelites now are finally able to eat the food of the promised land. And they ate the unleavened cakes. They found some, you know, food in the area, some grain in the area. They took it and made it into unleavened cakes. And don't forget, Passover was a week-long celebration where the Israelites couldn't eat anything with leaven in it. Other, in other words, uh, yeast. They couldn't eat anything with yeast. So they were eating these unleavened cakes from the produce of the land of Canaan. And all of a sudden, the very next day after they do this, the manna stops. Like God holds back the manna. He's like, okay, no more. And there's a handful of reasons for this. The manna was sustenance for the Israelites while they were in the wilderness. That was kind of like God showing the Israelites that he was sustaining them and that he was giving them that manna to help them survive, basically. But now they didn't need it anymore. The Israelites had food that they were going to eat. In a way, this is very powerful imagery because God suddenly stops giving them manna. And that's kind of like a revelation, I would guess, to the Israelites that the promised land has finally come to them basically. 
The manna is no more. The promised land is here. So the time of waiting is over, which was kind of what manna almost like signified was like waiting in the wilderness. That time of waiting was done and the promised land was finally here. Not to mention that imagine if God like kept supplying the Israelites with manna once they went into the promised land. (laughs) People would probably get super lazy. Even though the Israelites like hated the manna when they were in the wilderness, they're like, ugh, this manna is disgusting. We loathe it. We hate this manna. That's what they said. Even though they hated it in the wilderness, can you imagine like if it kept, if God like kept giving the people manna after they went to the promised land, they would probably get very, very lazy because they would probably just keep eating the manna. And I I do wonder, I wonder if there are Israelites that, you know, went out to go gather the manna and were kind of like, how dare God, you know, take the manna away from us. I wouldn't be surprised if there were Israelites that said that because they got used to and got comfortable with the manna. But it doesn't say that there were any Israelites that in particular were angry that the manna got taken away. But I can imagine there were a handful that possibly, possibly did get angry about it. So it says the children of Israel didn't have manna anymore. So they ate the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And basically, all the rest of the time, manna was gone. And manna means, what is it? (laughs) That's literally what manna means. And the what is it was gone. And so now they got to eat the food of Canaan from that time on. Their time of waiting was over. But, okay, so check out these two themes that are going on here. So firstly, the Israelites are finally obeying God both with circumcision and now with the Passover celebration. They're like finally choosing to obey God. And now we see that God gives them basically the promised land by taking the manna away. Whenever we have like obedience to God and whenever we start truly obeying God, truly searching for him, he will always reveal himself to you. And sometimes it takes time because God doesn't always work on you know, our timeline, he's, he has a very different timeline than ours, but he will begin to show you the way you should go once you begin obeying him and searching for him. It reminds me of that verse from Psalms that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. It just kind of reminds me of that verse, you know, the Israelites finally began obeying God and now all of a sudden God is showing them all these things. He's parting waters for them. He's taking the manna away and giving them the promised land. And now here's the next thing that happens. When Joshua was by Jericho in verse 13, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood in front of him with his sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our enemies? He said, no. (laughs) Depending on the version you read, um, it might say neither there instead of no. But I just love that. I love that response. He's like, no, I'm not answering that question. (laughs) That's just so funny. That's because it wasn't a necessary question. Like, This was Jesus, we're about to find out, 
or God in human flesh that we are about to find out. And he didn't need to answer that question. Obviously, God was for Joshua. He already said that multiple times. (laughs) I mean, how many times already had God said, like, have courage, don't be afraid, I hold you with my hand? Like, this question was not necessary, honestly. So the man with the sword says, no, (laughs) but I have come now as a commander of Yahweh's army. So this person standing in front of Joshua claims that he is the commander of Yahweh's army. And you might be asking me, you might be saying, well, Jen, this could be an angel, right? Like, couldn't this be, you know, Michael, the archangel or something like that? And the reason I say no is actually because of this next part where it says Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. Angels never received worship. All throughout scripture, you're going to see that if somebody tried to worship an angel, the angel would be like, stop, don't worship me. Like, I am not God. Do not worship me. But this man with the sword receives the worship because uh, Joshua continues to worship him. And the, the man with the sword says nothing. Not to mention that this man had a very prominent position, the entire, like, like the commander, the literal commander, the general of Yahweh's army. As many of you know, in the book of Revelation, it talks about how Jesus, when he comes back again the second time, he's going to come back as a warrior. He's going to come back with judgment. He's basically going to be the commander of God's army. So Jesus here twice in scripture is mentioned as a commander of an army, once in Revelation and once here in Joshua chapter five and maybe elsewhere. I don't know. But this man with the sword is the commander of Yahweh's army and Joshua worships him. And the man with the sword receives worship. So this is why I believe that this man with the sword is Jesus or rather God in human flesh, because technically Jesus didn't exactly exist yet, not until the Gospels. I mean, God has always existed. But when Jesus came down to earth as a baby, that was when he was Jesus. But anyway, this person standing here is God in human flesh. And so for lack of a better term, I'm just going to call him Jesus. That's who I believe it is. Because we see also in other parts of scripture, like for example, Abraham also met with a man who was likely Jesus. He was God in human flesh and Abraham worshiped him. So multiple times in the Old Testament, Jesus did appear to people. And we know that Jesus absolutely existed in this time because he was not created. We actually just talked about that in the book of John, where Jesus says that him and the father existed well before the earth was even formed. Like that's what Jesus actually said about himself. So of course, Jesus was around at this time period. Now, was it Jesus or was it just God coming down like in an earthly form? I don't know. (laughs) In my opinion, it's not really worth arguing about because Jesus is also God. So I'm just going to say it's Jesus. But anyway, Joshua worships Jesus and asks him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the prince, the prince of Yahweh's army 
said to Joshua. So there we go. I mean, actually, that's another great observation of how this is probably Jesus, the prince of Yahweh's army. And Jesus is called the prince of peace. He's a prince. So I think that that's another way that we could distinguish this person as Jesus. The prince of Yahweh's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals for the place on which you stand is holy. Joshua did so. So that's another reason we can say that this was not an angel that Joshua encountered. This was God, because otherwise there'd be no no reason for Joshua to have to take off his sandals. This is what God often told people that they needed to like remove their sandals when in his presence, because the sandals are kind of dirty, like (laughs) sandals are very, very filthy, like shoes are very filthy. I don't let people wear them in my house, (laughs) though sometimes I break that rule myself. But for the most part, I don't really want shoes in my house because they're dirty. I don't know where people stepped or what kind of feces is on the bottom of their shoes. I just don't want it in my house. So shoes are very filthy. They're kind of like the opposite, I guess, of holiness in a sense. They're just very dirty. So God often told the person that he was near to take off their sandals, take off their shoes. We can see that happen with Moses as well when Yahweh was in the burning bush and he spoke to Moses through the burning bush and he told Moses, take off your sandals because this ground is holy. And so if something is holy, you don't want to desecrate it with whatever is on the bottom of your feet. So that is why God told people to remove their shoes when talking to him because he is holy and he wants us to be very holy as well. And so Joshua removes his shoes. So why did God appear to Joshua, though? Like, what was the point? I think there was two reasons. Well, maybe three, actually. I think the the first reason was to show Joshua that he indeed was there for him. Like, God was there for Joshua. I think the second reason was to show Joshua that he was actually pleased with Joshua because Joshua immediately began telling the Israelites to obey God. And all these things started happening. So God was pleased with Joshua. He was there for Joshua. And I think the third reason was logical, which is God was about to tell Joshua what he was supposed to do in order to take Jericho uh, captive, basically. So that's the three reasons I believe that God appeared directly to Joshua. And I mean, not even to mention the encouragement Joshua would receive as well through literally seeing God in human form. But anyway, that's basically all for today. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, like and share the episode. And also join in on Wednesday. We're going to talk about Joshua 6. And we're going to start on the fall of Jericho, which is a really fascinating and crazy story that we're about to get into. Now, don't forget, we're also going to be finishing up the book of John tomorrow. And we're going to be talking about Jesus's prayer for you. So that's also going to be a great episode. And I hope that you don't miss it. Friends and faithful listeners, have a fantastic rest of your Monday. I will see you tomorrow, 6 a.m. or whenever you choose to wake up and listen. Happy listening and God bless.